May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. The larynx is a marvel of human physiology. With vibrating vocal folds, rocking cartilages, and sinuous muscles. Together, they constitute a remarkable organ, which, if we are honest, is all too often used to produce pure drivel. Talk is cheap, we are told, and indeed, our speech can too often constitute a selfish practice forcing all those around us to perceive the present as we do. Think of the nervous rambler, or the controlling talkers who soliloquize lest anyone interject with something they do not wish to hear. We may say things simply to placate others, or to absolve ourselves of responsibility. And as spouses can readily attest, Sometimes we value our statements so lightly that we need ample reminders of the promises we ourselves have made. Our speech, it would seem, is our most perishable product. Little wonder, then, that time and again we hear actions speak louder than words. Yet, in today's Gospel reading from Luke, Jesus declares, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. If we already treat words with so little respect while the earth still rolls in her course and heaven yet remains, what good could words possibly be after these things have passed away? What kind of speech could even be intelligible without heaven or earth? It may be the most puzzling statement in the passage. Yet this morning I'd like to resist the temptation to brush it aside as overly figurative speech, as if it were some kind of heavenly hyperbole, and try to think through just what our Lord might mean by heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. God's speech, as we know, is powerful. It accomplishes where our words can only describe. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. All this he said once, and it was so. But we find that God also repeats himself unceasingly, both within the Bible and without, declaring, 
I love you. Beaming, I desire all of you to see you wholly perfected. Consoling, you're forgiven. And we encounter these words spoken to us in the Bible, in his blessing Abraham, in his calling of Israel, in his mercy on his chosen remnant at the first Passover, prefiguring the giving of his very self unto death, raised high on Calvary. And we find it in his commission to Peter, in his calling of Paul. Yet we are people stained with the sin of Adam, perpetually hearing and neglecting his word of grace. You might call it our fallen forgetfulness. But God, precisely because he loves us, repeats himself again and again. So that much as he spoke the stories prior to their being recorded as Holy Scripture, he continues to speak them today. This repetitiveness is no fault of God's. It is rather a good thing, a testimony to how much he desires that we hear and experience his loving action toward us. And so I wonder if you, in your life, have ever heard God repeating himself. Let me offer an example of of what I mean. A few years back, I ventured to the evening service at a cathedral church which was much heralded for its young congregation, non-traditional music style, and progressive theological outlook. The service was much as expected. Although interspersed among the ultra-hip were a fair number of evidently homeless people from the nearby park. At the conclusion of the service, a Christian education program was announced. And after some deliberation, I decided to head to the basement where it was held. And evidently, this process had taken me longer than I realized, whether I really wanted to spend more time there, for I was last in line for the pizza provided. In front of me was one of the men from the park, and I held my breath, and I considered if I was really that hungry. If the smell of the pizza or the smell of this man standing before me in line would win out. And as we neared the steaming hot boxes, this man reached into his pockets and with a great clatter emptied out all the change he had into the bowl that contained no more than two or three dollars left by all the people who had served themselves before. And in that moment, my stomach leapt at the recognition that God had replayed the story of the widow's might before me. I was at once convicted and yet moved Moved that God would retell that incident there in my life. Such repetitions needn't be so clear-cut. 
One afternoon when I was visiting a friend who lived in Morningside Heights near the law school he was attending, I decided to go to a service of choral evensong at New York's massive Cathedral of St. John the Divine. A visiting choir was singing the service, and a fairly good number had gathered in the cool and soaring space. And I was enjoying the music and trying to focus on the worship rather than being distracted by the building, when a new sort of distraction arose. Right in the middle of the Nunc Dimittis, a child had begun to cry. The choir sang Simeon's words when he beheld the infant Jesus in the temple. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And I thought, without thinking, would someone take that baby out of here? And then I felt a smile and a strange warmth of recognition that there was perhaps no better place or time for a baby to be crying in the whole of Gotham. In those simple experiences, it was as if God reached out and plucked the string of my heart. For in those moments, the truth of God's word was alive before me. Here was proof that God had not ceased to speak through this world, to repeat himself so that someone as hard-hearted as I might not only hear, but live the story he tells through his good book. Over and over again. The story wherein God says, you are loved, such that I hope for you and demand from you only the best. And since you fall short, I forgive at immense cost to myself because my love reaches wider than death. It is the story you and I long to live. Indeed, God so delights in its retelling that he made each one of us so that we might receive the words of Christ that bring us into relationship with him. For the Son says to the Father, All mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. It is Jesus Christ who speaks the words, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And as he said once from the cross, he repeats again and again, if we would only but hearken to his voice, it is finished. Jesus' words pluck our heartstrings. And just as a harp's strings sound different notes, 
Each heart has a different resonance. The story may recur in as many iterations as you can fathom. And brought together in Christ, we become like one gigantic instrument, one voice box, if you will, forever reverberating from his touch on our many different lives, so that together we sound out his word of inexhaustible grace. This Advent season, may dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life never dull your ear for the stories God is retelling in your life. May they speak a love like no other into it, so that when all else passes away, your life will resound with the story of Jesus Christ alive in you today and forever. Amen.